Welcome to the Woman Warriors Podcast, where we're working to help you call a truce with your anxiety. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, here's your host, Elizabeth Cush, LCPC. Welcome back to the Woman Warriors podcast. I am on vacation, so this week we don't have a new episode, but I'm so excited to share that this past week we hit over 20,000 unique downloads for the podcast. This is amazing to me. It's been less than two years that since this podcast was birthed, And so to make that 20,000, over 20,000 unique download mark before I hit the two-year mark, that's pretty darned amazing. And I'm super excited. So in honor of that, I'm sharing again, Dr. Janice Webb's interview on childhood emotional neglect. It is my most downloaded to date podcast with 903 as of today, unique downloads for that particular episode. So I'm resharing that popular episode because I just want to thank you all. It's such an amazing discussion that we have. And two, I just want to say thank you all for being a part of this journey. Thank you for continuing to listen and sharing the podcast so that it continues to grow. And I'm excited to think about the next 20,000 downloads and where that will take us. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Dr. Janice Webb about childhood emotional neglect. Dr. Janice Webb is a recognized psychologist with over 25 years experience. She's dedicated herself to researching, exploring, and educating others on childhood emotional neglect. And she's the author of the best-selling books and truly amazing books, Running on Empty, Overcome Your Childhood Emotional Neglect, and Running on Empty No More, Transform Your Relationships with Your Partner, Your Parents, and Your Children. I must say, I recommend these books a lot to my clients. I've read them both. They have so much great information on how to heal childhood emotional neglect with yourself, within yourself, as well as within your relationships. So um, I definitely recommend those. She's been featured on Psych Central, Psychology Today, The Elephant Journal, NPR, and the Chicago Tribune. She also has a private practice in Lexington, Massachusetts. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Um, the audio is not perfect. I will admit I'm, I've had some trouble with that and I am working on it. So I hope you'll stick with this interview because it's really great and has, is packed full of great information. Um, and just know that I am working to uh, improve my audio. So for your listening pleasure. So I hope you enjoy it and uh, I'll check in at the end of the episode. Hello, everyone. Uh, Thanks for tuning in this week where we have uh, Jonice Webb, PhD, here to talk to us about childhood emotional neglect. Um, She's done some amazing research and has two really super great books on the topic. But uh, Jonice, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. 
You are so welcome. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself and really what got you started on this path of research, but um, just your professional career? What, what brought you to where you are today? Well, I would say that I pretty much grew up wanting to be a psychologist, even though I wasn't sure what it was. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've always been fascinated by what makes people do what they do and how people's minds work. Mm. And, um, so as soon as I realized what a psychologist was, that I knew that was it. And um, I can't imagine being anything different. It's just who I am. Yeah. And um, what led me to childhood emotional neglect is that um, over years of practicing in a whole bunch of different settings, I started to just see this pattern over and over and over and over among people that didn't seem to have anything in common other than this pattern. And I started to wonder, what is going on here? There's got to be some common element that all of these people share. And I started looking for it, and it took me quite some time to figure it out because I thought, like any therapist would, I thought it must be some trauma from childhood or some something that had happened to all these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I realized is it was nothing that had happened to them. It was something that had failed to happen for them in their childhoods. Yeah. And um, that was what I eventually called childhood emotional neglect. It's just a parent's failure to respond enough to the child's emotional needs. And it leaves a particular footprint on the child that I could see in my office decades later. Yeah. And I, I, you know, it's interesting because I think what you said about it, like that it's not a thing that happened, that it's a thing that didn't happen. Like, I think that's what makes it so hard to, I don't know, hard to explain, hard to pinpoint, you know, um, hard for clients to really see. Yes, yes. It's hard, all those things. It's also hard to identify because the cause of it is not something that your brain records. Mm -hmm. I've realized there are so many people walking around with the effects of this who have no idea that it ever was a part of their experience. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, when you you know, pick up on. So for your clients or, you know, and the research that you've done, when you're recognizing, oh, this might be what's happening for this person, right, that they may have experienced childhood emotional neglect. um, How do you go about talking to them about it in a way that they can understand it? And do they grasp it? Is it something that they're like, oh, yeah, that's it? People definitely do grasp it, and Mm -hmm. they sense the truth of it when they get to a certain point of understanding it. But a lot of times, as a therapist, I have to really work to point out things that their parents didn't do that other parents would have naturally done. That's That's where the evidence is, really, is, you know, taking them back to um, situations. A lot of CEN people will have memories. I call childhood emotional neglect CEN for short. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people um, with CEN uh, will tell me stories that they think are funny or, or they present them as funny. You know, this happened and it was kind of hurtful, but it's kind of silly for me to be hurt by it. 
and it's actually very, very significant um, in terms of their parents not responding in the way that parents should or that health emotionally um, attuned parents would respond. So for those clients, when you're picking up that like, oh, wow, this is something impactful, like what might it be? What give it could you give us an example of what a client might tell you that let's see, it's kind of hard to think of a funny one, because they're never actually, fun. <laughs> they're never actually funny to me, they're very painful. The, um, you know, a story about being, um, you know, feeling really uh, ostracized in second grade or third grade or having a teacher that bullied them. Or um, like this one person told me about going to funerals um, as a child or an adolescent of people that he knew very well. And his parents didn't go to the funerals with him. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, you know, that story can be told about, the story is about the funerals, but the actual emotional neglect rise lies in the fact that the parents were not there. So those are some examples of how it happens. So for clients that, um, like, I, from in my experience, there are times where, you know, I am picking up on maybe there is some CEN that has occurred where the parent has not met the emotional needs of the child. And I am going to kind of explore that with the client and, and point it out kind of in a way that maybe they didn't get what they need. And oftentimes the response can be, well, you know, but my parents loved me. Like I had a good childhood. Mm-hmm. And so how, you know, uh, that can be, to me, that's, it, it takes time to really, I think, connect the dots between, yes, having a safe, you know, yes, I had a roof over my head and clothes on my back, to I was supported emotionally and my emotional needs were met, like connecting those or disconnecting those dots or whatever. Um, yes, disconnecting, right? Yeah. You know, if I've heard that from so many people that, you know, and CEN people can be very defensive of their parents, in fact, and for good reason. Their parents did a great job in so many ways and provided them, you know, for many, they were supplied with everything materially that they needed, maybe even way above what they needed. Mm-hmm. And maybe they had a great childhood and that they were able to run free in the neighborhood and they played soccer and you know, you can have all the trappings of a great childhood, but if this one vital ingredient, emotional responsiveness from your parents is missing, if you don't get enough of it, it affects you. There's just no way around it. It doesn't matter how much your parents loved you. It just leaves its footprint on you. And so talk about that. Like, what is the footprint? What is it that you see you know, that you said, I saw this thread that was this common thread amongst all these clients and, you know, couldn't, you know, was looking for the one thing. And so what do you see in the clients that present that have childhood emotional neglect? It's a sort of a disconnection from themselves. Mm -hmm. And the disconnection is from their emotional selves, like they're the, the part of them that runs, you know, that is sort of their feelings about their life 
is not present enough in their lives. So they end up feeling a little, because they're disconnected from themselves, they feel disconnected from other people mm-hmm. on some deep level that they're not even sure about. And they feel a little bit empty um, at times yeah, and out of place and um, kind of a lot of times they feel a little bit lost, like they don't know, they have trouble making decisions that are right for themselves. And often, in addition to all this, there's a lot of self-directed blame and anger because they don't, they look back and say, well, I had a good childhood, or many of them do. Mm-hmm. I had a good childhood. Here I am, not, you know, maybe not living up to my, what I know is my potential maybe just kind of feeling empty or like I don't belong. I'm not like other people and it's all my fault. I was just born with a flaw. Hmm. And yes. so there's this feeling of just being different than everyone else. Yeah. I that to me that sort of fatal flaw as you call it in your first book The Running on Empty like that resonates. I'm going to read just a little bit of uh, a quote that I had highlighted that really struck me. Um where you say emotionally neglected people tend to feel that they must keep their true selves hidden away from others because if they let people get too close to them, their flaw will be exposed. And I think that's so powerful. And so, I don't know, it really hits the nail on the head. Yeah, it speaks to that, um, that deep sense that something is missing in me that other people have something is wrong with me, that Um, sets me apart Mm -hmm. and really the only thing that's missing or wrong is that is not having enough access to your own feelings and once you you know that's fixable so that's the great side of it right right that is the amazing side of it is that it is fixable and that it's that it's yeah not a life sentence or um, something that you always have to feel right like this, that feeling can go away, that there's something wrong with you. Yeah, exactly. It's not a real flaw. It's not a disorder. It's not a disease. It's something that if you take the steps and you go through the process, you can make a big difference and feel very different in your life. Yeah. Part of this that I think is so exciting. It is. And I think, as you mentioned, like that connection to yourself and your own emotions, like that's the hardest part, but that's the key. Yes, exactly. It is the hardest part and it is the key. Um, And so do you see any difference in the presentation of uh, CEN with men and women? Are there, have you, and I don't even know if you've looked at that, are there different um, sort of external or symptoms or whatever that are different? Uh I think so. Yeah, I think so. I've written a couple of blogs about this. Um, I think the biggest difference I see between men and women, and there's a lot of overlap, so this is just like, you know, general trends, mm-hmm. is that men tend to not direct the blame at themselves as much. Mm. They don't really think in the in terms of blame, like men don't blame their parents, they don't blame themselves, they just get angry. So the one emotion that men are better able to connect with than women is anger. And women directed at themselves, like, I'm responsible for whatever is wrong with me. Whereas men, 
um, don't really turn it at themselves as much. They tend to turn it outwards more. Yeah, and sort of just mm-hmm. be angry at other things yes, outside other themselves. Yes, other things, other situations. And I think it's partly because anger is the one emotion that I think this is changing, or let's hope so. Hmm. Um, that anger is the one emotion that men are allowed to have. Okay. Women are not supposed to be angry. So women focus it more inward. Yeah. And so it's, you know, CEN is no different in that respect. Well, and to me, that speaks to how um, they're, you know, the research shows that women tend to be or are diagnosed more often with an anxiety disorder. So, I mean, what I see is that, you know, if you're directing that self-blame and there's something wrong with me, that it's all internalized, I mean, not only does it increase anxiety, but it can increase depression and just feelings of self-worth and all of that. Yeah, and you know, an interesting thing about anxiety and Mm -hmm. CEN is that when someone comes to me with anxiety, I because I think in CEN terms, I start to help them look at, to, to redefine the anxiety as a whole bunch of feelings that are blocked off, melded together. Mm. So I try not to let my patients use the word anxiety because I want them to think more in a more complex way. What what are these emotions exactly? And when you start trying to figure out the layers that make up the anxiety, it's really oftentimes, I mean, of course, anxiety just has a biological component to it. We all, we science has established that. So yes, there's that. And I'm not trying to say anything about that. Sure, it's, sure, sure. Or, um, just a style of managing your feelings that can lead you to have anxiety. And that style is blocking your feelings off because you were raised to block your feelings off. Right. But those feelings, they all blend together and they turn into a stew. And that stew might be anger. It might be anxiety. Um, some, you know, a lot of people are irritable who have CEN. Yes. It, that's just like a soup. It's They're just different soups that different people have. And so some people end up with a an anxious soup. And when you start to tease it all apart, you see there it's made up of all this other stuff. Yeah, it's funny. As you were explaining that, I was picturing this like tangle of either like jewelry chains or yarn, and you're just slowly like teasing it apart into all the different, you know, individual strands to recognize what all the emotions are. Yes, exactly. I, I have that same image. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, and I think, I, I mean, I think anxiety tends to lead people in general to sort of push away. They want to, like, I don't want to feel that way anymore. You know, let's stuff that down. Let's avoid. Let's get busy. Let's do things to not feel, which just, I think, increases the anxiety. And so, like, counterintuitively, I think for some clients, it's like, no, we want to feel it and we want to explore it. And like, what are the feelings behind it? Um, Which is really what I get from your books as well is like, we want to know what those feelings are. We want to feel them. Yeah, exactly. Feelings can seem when you're when you grow up in a household that doesn't talk about feelings or share feelings, you get the message that feelings are bad, 
and should be avoided and should not you shouldn't let people see that you have them and that's why this wall gets built the child just blocks them off and that becomes the the style of the child who grows into an adult just pushing feelings on the other side of the wall it's like the avoidant style that you were just describing mhm then whenever you get anxious you know they all blend together and whenever some of it seeps through and it just comes through as anxiety and you just push it away again but that doesn't work with anxiety you, you know i'm sure you've seen this plenty of times that it just makes it worse yeah yeah well it makes it worse and it makes it feel like i don't know why this is showing up like i don't know what's happening i don't know why i'm anxious when the exploration of it is like oh like okay well i was feeling whatever, scared or fearful or threatened or whatever it is. Um, exactly. Shamed. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And you can put actual words to the real feelings that are involved. It's um, people are scared to do that work, but it's not that scary. Once you do it, you realize your feelings are just feelings. Yes. And you can take control of them. Yes. Yeah. And I think the scary part for at least for a lot of the clients that I've worked with is it's like, if I go down that hole, if I open that door, like I may never come back. And once I think you begin to do the work, the, the realization is, oh, I can feel that feeling and be okay. I, and, and it's just a feeling. Yeah, exactly. I always tell people, if these feelings were going to destroy you, they would have done it a long time ago. Hmm, I love that. <laughs> a lot more power on the other side of the wall than they do once you welcome them and start taking control of them. You know, there is some discomfort involved because you do have to feel them. Yep. But they're not going to take you down. Yeah. yeah. How it works. Yeah. So, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about your second book that came out the running on empty no more um and i i just love that you have taken it from this concept of like here it is but now how do we heal within ourselves but which was the first book but now how do we heal within our relationships because often we replicate those patterns we'll you know whether we have a partner who has cen or you know, we continue to have to deal with our parents, or maybe we've passed it on to our kids. Like, uh-huh. I, I, um, I would just like to talk about your, if you wouldn't mind, like how the healing happens within self, but also within relationships, if that's not too broad. No, um, well, how it happens within yourself is um, breaking down that wall that blocks your feelings off. And yeah. That can be done with mindfulness exercises and just a sort of a mind shift makes a huge difference. And um, learning the emotion skills that go along with that and starting to actually listen to your emotions and using them the way that they were intended to be used in the first place and not letting them control you. That just changes everything about your life once you start doing that. But until you do that, your relationships are kept at a certain level that is not very rewarding. And I think that's part of the reason why people with CEN feel empty is because their relationships are held back 
because they're not fully emotionally present in their even though the other person may be, they're not. Mm. And so it can only feel so rewarding. And so if that emotional connection isn't there within yourself, it's really hard to feel that connection with somebody else. Yes, it is. And, and then the other part of CEN is that you put other people's, you're responding to other people's feelings all the time, but you're not responding to your own. So relationships can end up being really one-sided mm-hmm. uh, on the other person's behalf. And that's even if it's with someone who's not at all narcissistic or self-involved, just a caring friend can end up taking up more space in the relationship because you're not taking up your own fair share. Yeah. Yeah. So trying to meet others' needs because mm-hmm. that feels more emotionally safe than taking care of your own needs. Or you just don't even know what your own needs are. You don't feel valid enough to have needs. But you can see other people's needs. A lot of CEN people are very caring, you know, and they'll and very empathetic so they can feel other people's feelings, but they they just don't have an awareness or a connection to their own feelings and their own needs. Yeah. So you can kind of disappear in relationships that Mm. way. Yeah, yeah. And so you had mentioned, you know, the first step, obviously, is, is, is to do your own work to understand, you know, what CEN is and how to heal yourself. But then, you know, working towards a closeness with other people in your life takes some work too, right? To, to move beyond how it's already been, always been. Yes, it does. That's one. <laughs> Um, once you start to understand CEN and how it's affected you, it makes you realize that maybe you're parenting your children the way you were parented. I mean, that's just natural. And that's how we got CEN in the first place. Our parents were parenting us the way they were parented. They meant well, usually most parents meant well. Um, and so if you don't know, you're doing the same thing. So it's sort of like a you wake up and realize, uh uh-oh, I got to switch gears here and I'm going to work on myself, but also this is affecting my husband. It's affecting my children. It's, um, you know, it's probably the reason I feel so uncomfortable when I'm with my parents. And then, but it's amazing. Once you see your relationships through these, this different lens, it also opens up a way to start working on them. I think the whole parenting piece can be kind of overwhelming for uh, at least some of the clients I've had that have CEN that, you know, the guilt and the shame of, oh, how, you know, I want to do things differently, or I want it it to be different. And yet here I've created these same patterns, I've done the same thing. And now my kids are showing the signs of CEN. I think that can be really hard. It definitely can. But I think the most important things for thing for parents to keep in mind is it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. They um, have done their the best that they could with what they were given themselves. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is it's never too late to fix it. It's just never too late. You can always start doing things differently with your children, and they will respond. Um, in Running on Empty No More, the second book, I um, talked about how to change how you are with your children, whether they're young or whether they're 
teenagers or whether they're adults. Mm-hmm. And there are certain things you can do that start to, that definitely reverse the effects. So it's not a life sentence. This is something that's not your fault and it can change. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's what I, 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 um, I love about both your books is that, you know, you're, you continue to, I think, reassure the reader, but also, you know, here, you know, here on the podcast that like, it isn't your fault and, and that this doesn't have to stay the way it is. Like you, you can make a change and things can be different and you can feel more connection with yourself and others if you do the work. Yes, definitely. I've watched so many people either in my practice or my online program just come alive. I mean, that is what seems like is happening is they're getting it like gradually reclaiming their emotions and starting to use them. And it's, it's like some life source has come forward for them. (laughs) emotions are just so energizing and connecting. And once you have them, it changes everything. Yeah. Well, that's, I, I love that, how you uh, frame emotions, because they like, that is who we are. We are emotional beings. And yet we get so disconnected from them, which then disconnects us from the people in our life. So um, I love that you frame them in such a positive way. Yeah, well, I, 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 there was a neuropsychologist I quoted in my first book. I'm trying to think of her name, Jill, something late. I can't remember, but she's a neuro, psych, neurobiologist, uh-huh. and she said um, we think of ourselves as thinking creatures who feel, but actually we are feeling creatures who think. Wow, I love that. Yeah, it is. That's how we're wired. And so I will I will uh, find her name and uh, add that to our show notes for people who may want to know more about that. Okay. So if you could, um, if there were one tip or resource that you felt was, you know, if listeners are saying, oh, wow, like CEN, that might be me, that might be something that I'm struggling with, or they already know that they are, you know, they're already recognizing what would, you know, what might be a tip or resources that you would recommend for them? I would suggest they go to my website, which Mm -hmm. is emotionalneglect.com and take the emotional neglect questionnaire. Mm -hmm. It's free and you, you just, you join my newsletter and then you take the questionnaire and you can find out, it just asks like 22 questions. It takes just like five minutes to take it. Mm-hmm. And um, it will help you figure out whether you're affected by it. And then also you can receive my newsletter, which comes weekly and is chock full of information about CEN and how to recover from it. Nice. Well, and I would also recommend both your books because they're both awesome. And I give them away to my clients all the time. So uh, I have had some, you know, I think it's really opened some doors for clients to be able to say, this isn't, I'm not the only one that's feeling like this too, that this is, this is a common experience. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, 
thank you so, 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 so much uh, for being on the Woman Warriors podcast. Uh, are there any um, upcoming projects for you? And how do people find you? I guess through your website. But um, do you have anything upcoming that you want to, the listeners to know about? Sure. In, um, in May, I will be relaunching my program, my online CEN recovery program called Fuel Up for Life. And so there will be new enrollment happening. And if you're on my newsletter, you'll be informed about that. And then also in June, I'm doing a CEN recovery retreat at Kripala Center in Western Mass. And um, I'm very excited about that. It's like a two-day retreat. So thank you. All right. So emotionalneglect.com. And uh, I know you are, I think, well, anyway, yeah. And you're on Facebook and all that too. So oh, yeah, everywhere. All right. Well, we will put your links in the show notes. And again, thank you so much for being a guest today. I really appreciate your taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you so much. Thanks for talking to me. Mm-hmm. Thanks again for making the podcast a success. Thank you for tuning in again uh, to this interview with Janice Webb that I did at the very beginning of the podcast journey, so last year. And I hope you will continue to tune in as we have more guests, more interesting topics, more strategies for helping you manage the worry, the stress, and the overwhelm. And I just hope you have a wonderful week. I am on vacation, but I will be back next week with a brand new episode. I look forward to sharing that with you. Ciao for now from This Woman Warrior. Thanks for listening and subscribing to the Woman Warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today, and links to the guests' profiles at womanwarriors.com.